Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today, we have Old Man Tup. We'll attach in Toga Peeps. And now, coming to you live. From atop the Lavender Town Radio Tower, it's the one, the only, Puckle Podcast. It's Puckle! Puckle! It's Puckle! Puckle! Pokemon Underground Champions League, oh yeah! Puckle! Puckle. And welcome to the 350 or 375th episode of the Puckle Podcast. I am your host, Trainer Thatch, here today with my group of excellent co-hosts. We have the magnificent Scron. It's pronounced Swagadocious Scron. Thank you very much. Swagadocious. And yeah. then, of course, we've got the man that I met at an underwater weaving class, uh, Basket. <laughs> What's up, Puckle Peeps? Your name gives me too many fun jokes. Yeah, like, I, I want to know, like, where does Basket come from, anyway? Save it for the interviews that we're going to be doing specifically for the patrons. <laughs> okay. okay? I need to know if Basket is good at making baskets. All right, I can do that. <laughs> Just save it, because for those of you unaware, um, so first of all, welcome to Puckle. Puckle, of course, standing for the Pokemon Underground Champions League, because that's the obvious acronym for Puckle, not the People's Union of Civil Liberties. <laughs> right. And we, this is a show where we talk about everything from everything pokemon from the video game to the trading card game even to pokemon ranger shadows of almia i went very specific which is there. a really good game and probably the best pokemon ranger game there, by the way <laughs> the first pokemon ranger game was all right and then i'm glad about all of the improvements they made to pokemon ranger after that game uh i disagree i personally align with po- the original pokemon ranger being the best for the sole reason that you didn't get to keep your count whenever you broke off a streak so you had to get it all in one go well you know what i'm talking about when you're circling yes i'm very aware because that's the reason i think the others are better because i think the mechanics are absolutely garbage otherwise it's like the dark souls of pokemon ranger oh my god (laughs) no no he's not wrong he's not wrong at all like he it is absolutely the dark souls of pokemon ranger because the that game is ridiculously difficult if you don't do that like it's ridiculous it's not that bad <laughs> i it, mean it, it is horrible uh, <laughs> at least late game late game it's horrible early game it's not terrible that rayquaza fight at the end is a bit tough but other than that like i don't think it's that bad <laughs> it's pretty bad but you ju- you're just blinded by nostalgia um pokemon ranger shadows of almia uh had the cool feature well this was for everyone Every game. No, it, Shadow of Almy introduced where you can ride the Doduos around. Yes, that is which true. Which was super cool. Um, because you could originally do that in uh, Pokemon Ranger, the original, but it had to be in this one area. Mm-hmm. And you had to run around, and and like like the hardest thing to catch there was a Dodrio. But in Almia, you get to ride, ride around the whole map. 
on a dodo. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a it's a good game. Like I definitely recommend it and I would play it. They also came up with like some of the coolest sprites. I've been getting into like sprite artwork because I'm building GIFs for the Twitch stream so that we can have like cool custom alerts. And so the one thing that I've been looking at, one, I'm just digging up all these custom ones from this one particular guy. I forget his name. I want to give him a shout out, but I don't know his name off the top of my head right now, and I don't have it open. He has just done a ton of custom sprites in kind of like the Gen 3 style for Pokemon. So I've been using those, and they're fantastic. But my second option for doing these custom alerts would absolutely have to be using the Shadows of Almia and just Pokemon Ranger in general, like like the sprites for the Pokemon because they are just so cool full body sprites that kind of just seem pretty mo that they get pretty mobile in the games and like you can rip the right ones from those games. Yeah. So I, I think they're wonderful. But what let's let's kick into it because I just want to know what you guys have been up to lately. So let's start with you, Scron. What have you been up to lately, man? Zakron so, has been attempting to fulfill a thus far lifelong dream of completing the national pokedex and every aspect of pokemon emerald version um the tough thing about this is that my emerald version had a dead internal battery and i don't feel like buying a new one so i'm manually replacing it with a solder gun Uh, (laughs) and i also did research into it and in order to get every pokemon you need five games technically you need pokemon emerald version obviously to have pokemon emerald version you need pokemon leaf green version for Slowpoke, only Slowpoke, because that's the <laughs> only Gen 3 game you can get freaking Slowpoke in. You need Colosseum and Gale of Darkness, because they cover everything else in terms of what you can catch. Um, and you need the Jirachi bonus disc, which I plan on mooching off of Thatch. <laughs> so, <laughs> the question I have for you, though, because this one comes to my mind, how do you get Celebi? Ah... Uh, 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 was that ever attainable in Gen 3? No, it wasn't. Well, it kind of was in Japan. Because you know how we got the Jirachi bonus disc? They got a Celebi yeah. bonus disc. Okay, so I'll probably try to do something next time I'm in Japan in 2020. Because <laughs> I, I'm planning to go there for the Olympics, and I've got a few friends who, who might be able to hook me up. But I might try to pick up one of those discs. If I'm in yeah. Japan, I'm planning on a trip in hopefully the fall. And we should. I, I might try to pick up a bonus disc, disc for that because I'm not. I don't think the GameCube's region locked. It it isn't. No. Uh, the thing is, you do need a completed uh, file of Pokemon Coliseum, the Japanese version, to be yeah. able to activate that bonus disc. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so that's just something to like keep in mind. Is that something that you need? It's a big money investment, but like this is something I'm I've dedicated myself to. No, it's really cool. I, There's yeah. actually a video that was put up about this recently by a YouTuber named John Stone that I follow pretty closely because he'll do these videos of like how to catch all the Pokemon in Gen three or how to catch all the Pokemon in Gen mm-hmm. two. And I think he just put out Gen three like the other day. So I'd suggest oh. giving that to giving that a watch. It's like forty minutes. <laughs> so is yeah. Gen. Is Gen 3 like a particularly hard generation to get old? Oh my gosh, it's absolutely awful. So it all stems from the problem that I think makes a lot of us, like Pokemon fans from the beginning, see Gen 3 in a somewhat negative light. Mm -hmm. And that's because Mm -hmm. in Ruby and Sapphire, that's where they go, okay, there's only 200 Pokemon and you can't trade up from previous previous generations, right? Right. Oh, that's right. There's that big gap. Yeah, yeah. 
And so it makes it really hard because between Ruby and Sapphire, you only have 200 of 386 Pokemon. Uh, 202, technically, if you include Jirachi and Deoxys. Wow. Yeah. And so there's only 202 available between those th- those two games. And so to be able to catch the other 186, you need Leaf Green and Fire Red, which is why those exist to catch most of the Kanto decks. Um, mm-hmm. But that still leaves out a lot of the Johto decks. And to fill, fill the Johto decks, you need Colosseum Emerald. Or Emerald and Emerald. Zone. Yeah, yeah, and Emerald. Well, you need both, yeah. I think. I think you need both. You do, actually, yeah, uh, for stuff like Shuckle. Yeah. Yep. You need both. And on top of that, you also need... If you don't have the events for Lugia and Ho-Oh in your Leaf Green and Fire Red or in your Emerald version, you do need to have Colosseum and Gale of Darkness to obtain both Lugia and Ho-Oh. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a mess all around. Like, it, it is a long trek to complete a National Dex in Gen 3, regardless of what version it is. Absolutely a long <laughs> mess, but it's still the best because it's basically the Dark Souls of Pokemon games. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing these back up. Uh, it's actually Pokemon really Pokemon isn't what it used to be. I need that incredibly unreasonably hard challenge to pursue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Basket? How's life been? What you been up to? Uh, life's been good. I've been up to basically just drawing... Um, my comic that I'm doing, it's um, it's pretty exciting because I have like a specific date now to get it finished and he's going to help me go around and talk to publishers at Emerald City Comic Con this year. Ooh, actually, that, yeah, that sounds actually fun because Emerald City is pretty big, actually. The Emerald City Comic Con is pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, I'm going to go around, and um, I've actually started a, an Instagram. If anybody's uh, interested in following me, it's comicbook underscore... Lou, L-O-W, or sorry, L-O-U, and basically <clears throat> I'm on there putting up, like, all these drawings of my comic because he told me that the more followers I have, then the bigger chance a publisher will be like, because if I can say, hey, I have, you know, 500 followers watching what I'm doing or whatever's a big amount, I don't know. I literally got an Instagram, like, a <laughs> month and a half ago, so. Uh, Get plugged by Kylie Jenner. I think that'll, I think that does stuff. What? <laughs> Get a yeah, plug by gonna, Kylie Jenner. <laughs> yeah, you're going to pay like $600,000 for a single post, though. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm kidding. I'm making a joke. Yeah, it's just a way because if a publisher sees that like you have already a fan base, or at least people interested in your art style, then they're more likely to publish you. So yeah, so then I can just be like, hey, and I've got this many people on Instagram, and this is my comic, it's done. Oh, and it'll also be up in the beginning of March. Ooh. So... Yeah, so if people want to read it, follow my Instagram, because that's when I'll, where I'll be, like, announcing it and everything like that. That's actually pretty cool. It's pretty much all I've been doing. That and working. <laughs> For myself, I've just been working on a lot of Pokemon competitively, like, competitive Pokemon. Because, one, we did our Apple Battle, our United Pokemon Podcasters League battle this week against the Vanished City Vaporeon. We took home our first win of the season. We're doing real bad. So we're, we're, like, one and two right now. Oh man! Uh, it's it's mostly because like I haven't been playing a lot of competitive Pokemon, so I'm not I wasn't really fresh. I'm getting back into it slowly but surely, and so like mm-hmm. that that game was like the first evidence of like okay we can do this. We're not absolutely the worst Pokemon players in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, you had an <laughs> it's time to stop moment. Yeah, then battle montage ensues in various <laughs> voice chats with Doctor Shamu and Seth Vilo telling you you're bad. That's pretty much what I did. I did like I would just I would literally go into voice chat and I made a new handle that I still play on 
So if anybody, like, I'll post it in Discord, and I'll be like, hey, I'm, I'm on Showdown if people want to watch me on Showdown. And it'll be me just, it, the, the account's called Thatch is Bad at Pokemon. And I'll just sit there, just so I can constantly remind myself how bad I am at Pokemon. Yeah. The moniker makes the man. <laughs> yeah. So if I constantly remind myself, it makes me it makes me want to defeat that title even more, right? And so I've been laddering on Showdown and stuff because I have been practicing with like some teams, especially for like Poker the episode today, we'll see. So it's been a good time though. It's been a good time. But yeah, it was a good game with the Vanity City Vaporeons. I suggest you go check out Blastburn Radio if you guys get a chance. Uh, all those guys over there are just fantastic. But that's a good place to stop. And we've got some news to talk about, so we'll kick it on over to the news segment, guys. So let's cue that epic music. Coming to you live from the Lavender Town Radio Tower, this just in! And welcome to the news. In the news, we, let's just start with all the Pokemon Go stuff that's happened, because that's what this segment's all about. I know that's why everybody listens, because they're just like, <laughs> Pokemon Go stuff. I've read the survey. I'm very aware that this is not the truth. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you play Pokemon Go, they've switched over the Tier 5 raid boss to be Palkia, which is kind of cool. I'm happy that they finally got to Palkia. And Palkia, I, I think the favorite meme was it that uh, if you have it as your buddy Pokemon... It was very short for a Palkia. It was about the same height as you were. And if you watch the anime or the movies or anything with Palkia in it, Palkia is definitely way, way taller than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Also, in, in line with that, there is a huge update for Pokemon Go that released all of the evolutions in Generation 4, except for Mamoswine, because Mamoswine is being held off for Community Day, no, which I believe is even, next weekend. E- even Mamoswine is released now. Is Mamoswine released? Just, you just won't get the Community Day move with okay. it if you evolve it now, yeah. Uh, they're yeah. available with the Sinnoh Stone, and on top of that, uh, Glammeow, Shieldon, Kranidos, and Combi are all in the wild right now, so you can go get those as well. So that's nice. Gen 4 is pretty much done. Wait, really, really quick, because they've been making it so that um, for the for the fourth gen, like, final stages, they've been making it, like, what is it, like, 500 candies or 200 candies no. to, like, evolve it? No, that's not true. No, sure? I know, like, there are a few third gens that require 400. It's Altaria, Walrein, and Waylord. No, Walrein doesn't require it. Mm-hmm. Isn't gonna... Walrein, like, 200? No, Walrein's fine. It's standard, like, 100. I thought uh, it was I thought it was a whole bunch for... Nope. Was it earlier, and then they changed it? No, not that I... I'm aware of. No, it's uh, about 100 candies for each Sinnoh evolution, plus a Sinnoh stone. Yeah, the Sinnoh stones are the, the bottleneck. T- typically from PvP rewards, but they're really not a problem to get. You can get one like every two days if you do the PvP battles. Mm-hmm. Problem is, most people don't have the effort to or the patience to deal with Pokemon Go battles. <laughs> <laughs> I know do I mean, don't. <laughs> so you, you mean specifically the PvP battles, not gym rating and stuff? No, PvP. You have to go through okay. PvP. You can also get it through one battle in the, mm-hmm. if you face the leaders. Yes. But there's a chance like to get it it's it's lower okay it's really hard to guarantee it yeah that way if you have no friends there's still hope for you (laughs) (laughs) that's it pretty much for pokemon go uh right now which is that's nice uh but i think the biggest thing is because for those of you who are not invested in the financial world like pretty much all of us this was the week that we got a lot of earnings calls and stuff like that from a bunch of companies and so we also got pokemon 
information from that as well. And so we actually got the Pokemon sales data this past week. And so as of December 31st, uh, this is just a really interesting topic to me because I think this is something that we are all somewhat aware of. And that's that just the sales numbers of Pokemon overall. So the last five games that came out. So Pokemon X and Y right now, as of right now, are at 16.37 million copies sold. Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire at 14.17 million copies sold. Sun and Moon themselves are at 16.14 million copies sold. And then it gets really interesting here. Uh, well, not interesting. I think we can all explain what's going on in this phenomenon. But Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon have only sold 8.28 million copies so far. And followed up by that, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee have sold 10 million copies uh, as of as of December 31st, by the way. And that means that Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee were up by, like, I think they were out for five yeah, weeks at that point. They accomplished the same thing in, like, a matter of a month that Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon did in a whole year. I don't think this is bad news for mainline Pokemon games versus Let's Go style games, mostly because Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I think we can all say, and hopefully the Pokemon company realizes this, because I know that sometimes they will not realize things like this, <laughs> but I, the reason that this happened is because Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon added literally no value <laughs> to Sun and Moon. There was literally no reason. Nobody wanted those games in the form that they were. We wanted a sequel. We wanted either a sequel to Sun and Moon or we wanted uh, just like a remake. We wanted Gen 4, you know? I don't think they did it on purpose, but it really looked like through all of the commercials that they were showing and the stuff that leaked that it was going to be a sequel. That's the problem. They didn't. I don't think they were clear enough in saying this is not a sequel. Yeah. And it definitely got our expectations pretty high. Well, from what I understand, uh, let's go... Pikachu and Eevee didn't do nearly as well in Japan, and considering Japan's pride in being a strong domestic market, I think that provides the greatest support for the argument that this will not affect the mainline games, because mm. uh, the Japanese market likes something very different from the Western market. That's true. So if for no sense, Nintendo is a Japanese company, I think they're going to do their best to cater to the domestic population. They always have. Yeah. And that's that, that's yeah. true. They always have. They've always catered to Japan. I'm okay with that, because I'm really a fan of the games, and I don't think we're in the minority. I think Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee probably had a much wider appeal to other yeah. players mm-hmm. i mean there's also the thing like i purchased a copy of it i will definitely not go ahead and be like oh i need the other version like i need let's go eevee like that's not something that <laughs> i personally feel like i need i don't need a copy of let's go eevee to go with my let's go pikachu i just need my copy of uh let's go pikachu there's that's all that i need and i think that's going to be something that drives it i think it's also that it was the first pokemon game on the switch there's a lot yeah. of factors that I think would make Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee from a business standpoint unrepeatable. I don't think that one, you can push out another, hey, here's another Kanto game. Here's just the original 150. On top of that, I don't think you're going to be like, hey, this is the first Pokemon game on the Switch that I know you've all been asking for, but it's not really the game that you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. I am going to be very interested to see the sales numbers for whatever Pokemon game comes out on the Switch this fall. I think that is mm-hmm. going to make a huge difference. Whatever whatever that Pokemon game is, I think that's going to be the game. I think you'll I think we could even see it break 10 million units because I think you'll see the appeal. Everybody wants a Pokemon game for the Switch. More people own a Switch than other consoles. So I definitely see that happening. I disagree, Thatch. Okay. I, I wholeheartedly disagree, uh, especially since I had to work in the retail business. Most of the people who buy Let's Go Eevee, Let's Go Pikachu are middle-aged parents buying stuff for their kids. I can see that. I can and, see that. Uh, 
if their kids didn't like it necessarily, then they're going to be like, well, I'm not going to buy another one of those games or something like that. I think the kid's going to like it, though. That's the thing. I think the kid's yeah. going to like it. That's that's the problem is that their parents won't buy it for them if they didn't like the first one or whatever. Well, I think yeah, the kids but, are going to like the first one. That's the thing. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I also feel like if I was a kid and I was playing the regular Pokemon games before this, like, because it has to be like your first introduction. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody not being a little upset. Like, we knew ahead of time that it wasn't going to be that way. But a little kid isn't going to be doing, you know, the research or whatever. So if a little kid's playing, you know, if he plays X and Y, Sun and Moon or, you know, Sun and Moon or whatever. And then he's like, oh, let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu. This is going to be awesome. And doesn't pay attention to anything. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to be sorely disappointed. And I don't, I don't think, yeah. And I don't think that that's like going to be a small group of like that demographic. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that Let's Go is definitely a it's definitely an intro game. It's definitely the gateway drug of Pokemon. Yeah. And I want to gateway <laughs> drug of Pokemon. How insidious. And I want to see what the effect that has on something like the main series. Because like I said, I don't think Let's Go is a repeatable event. And I don't think TPCI should treat it as such. I also disagree uh, with Pokemon games, and I'm saying this is purely anecdotal. I don't really know studies have really been done on this, but from my anecdotal uh, experiences that I've heard from people, there's an exposure phase of Pokemon when you're around 10 to 12 years old that you will forever align with the games that were out in those years. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever games came out when you were 10 to 12 years old, you'd be like, oh, those were the best games ever. And it works every freaking time. (laughs) Well, then I think think the question is, does that default to Let's Go or will that default to something like Sun and Moon? Because now it's an annual release and that's a pretty big win. What I think is going to happen is like whenever these uh, kids grow up to be the ages we are now in their 20s or something, they're going to be the let's go generation. (laughs) And we'll all be like 30, mid 30 people looking down, wondering what happened to the world. (laughs) I don't agree with that entirely because I think it's I think it's not an apples to apples comparison. Right. Yeah. Because the kids if they're really into Pokemon, they're aware that not all of the Pokemon were available in Let's Go. And they, because they're going to be the ones that are ingrained in all of the media, right? And so what's on the anime right now? Pokemon Sun and Moon, right? And they're, they're aware that yeah. Lycanroc exists. Like that's Ash's Pokemon. It's Lycanroc. They're not going to be like, oh man, I can't catch. They're going to be like, I can't catch Lycanroc in Pokemon Let's Go. So I, I think that's something to consider as well. I, there, there's definitely trade offs here and there, but I don't think I'm not too surprised that Let's Go did so well. I'm not surprised that Ultra Sun Ultra Moon did badly. I think that's that's the, what we have to take into consideration is that Let's Go did well, but I don't think Let's um, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon also did badly. We need to just take that into consideration. So those, they're not like, it's not like, oh man, it's defeating the mainline Pokemon games because it still hasn't outsold Sun and Moon. <laughs> and I, I don't think it will, personally. Uh, I mean, yeah. like, even games like Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon far outperform the sales standards of other <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, it's just marketing, sort of. It was, it was just an issue with that they just resold us the same game. And we all knew that. <laughs> There are a few new Pokemon, but you like, have here's to a Blissephalon. We added also, four new Pokemon, and they all have four vowels in their names. 
Also, you can grind <laughs> against like 50 Team Rocket trainers with only one Pokemon each. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll get something special if I defeat them all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope. Man, if they would have made it, if they would have just inserted something like the Delta episode into that, I think it would have just done way better. Just story and like two boss fights. Yeah, well, you do you do a couple of boss fight fights, right? You do all you do the boss fights against all of the previous team leaders, right? You don't have like Team Rocket grunts or anything. Maybe one Team Rocket grunt to be like, oh, Rainbow Team Rocket, and then you remake it by just going and at the end after you beat Giovanni, like there's just you find out that there's something going on and like, oh hey, I just caught a dark rye or something like that, right? Like yeah, they, they should have integrated some some previous mythical into the story, and I think it would have gone so much better. The Delta episode was one of the best things about Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, the and, Delta episode was super super cool, and I think they could I think they could learn a lot just from how they how well they did previous games. Like like one if they want Ultra Sun Ultra Moon would have sold way better if they had like three things. One the original Battle Frontier. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, if it also yeah. if it had the original Battle Frontier, if it had um if it was actually a sequel and not just a rehash of the same story where it's the same thing for the first two thirds of the game. Once again, if it would have if it would have introduced something like the Delta episode at the end. I think I think those three things would be success in a quote unquote third version of a Pokemon game. Right. But that's that's just where I am. That's just a theory. But we we'll just cut it uh, off there. Mantine surfing fact. Hey, that was awesome. That was <laughs> awesome. That was super, super cool. So we'll we'll just end that there, but there's a few puckle things to announce. First of all, if you haven't already, go check out our YouTube. We're posting a bunch of UUTC commentary videos over there, and we need to do that push to get us to partnership. So if you guys haven't already, go check out our YouTube. Uh, we've got battles up there for the UUTC, so you can follow along. Follow along with the Puckle League. Find out who's got what points and how well people are doing right now. I think I'm in second place overall. I think I'm tied for third or second something like that and somebody's tied for first right now so i'm i'm working on my puckle league points do you know the top five uh i can have access to it but i don't have it up right now okay uh but you guys can check that out and follow along with the puckle league keep it going and it's, it's just a lot of fun on top of that there is going to be a battle clinic next weekend i believe it's going to be friday at like eight o'clock eastern uh, and we're going to start a little, little bit later cup. it is little it's cup little it's going to be cup. so much fun Yes. Um, it's going to be right after the Patreon live show, so if you want to I'm tune into so that excited. live, you want to tune into that live, you can come over to the Little Cup thing right after the Patreon live show. Uh, for those of you who are patrons, remember you have a chance to sign up to be on that. I think only ten little men have signed up to be on it so far. So just remember that show will also be out later this month. <laughs> the most dedicated patron on the Puckle Plus feed. Yeah, the most dedicated patron of all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna keep looking into that but also once again we are doing our puckle survey this is going on for another two weeks if you sign up for the puckle survey you will get a chance to be uh to be in a raffle to win a puckle t-shirt from our t public store so we would really appreciate if you fill it out we'd love your feedback it does help us change the show in a positive manner if you do fill it out Vote Scrawn to be your favorite. <laughs> so if you haven't already, go ahead and jump in to do that. We're going to end close that survey, I believe, on the 17th. And I think the following weekend, we're going to do a Twitch stream that's just a town hall discussing the results and talking to you guys about it so we can get some real-time feedback about how to fix some of the issues you think there are and how to improve the show and make it better. So we really do appreciate that. So if you, if you have the time, go fill out that survey. It's in the show notes down below. We'd really appreciate it. But I think that is it. We are going to go ahead... And we are going to kick it on over to Puckle's Poke Quiz, where we're going to quiz your co-host on their learnt and ingrained in their mind Pokemon knowledge. 
It's just a Nate patch. You can just say a Nate. <laughs> And welcome to Puckles Poke Quiz, where we're going to quiz your co-hosts on their learnt innate whatever kind of Pokemon knowledge they have in their heads. Stop it, Thatch. So, it's time to stop. And so, of course, they can use whatever's in their head, but they cannot use the internet. So no browsers, guys. No no internet. Nothing to look it up. You just have to use yourselves. Today, Scrawn and Basket will be operating as a team to earn points uh, to to try to beat their fellow co-hosts. It's a race to 30 points. Today, they have a chance to get seven. There are five questions worth one point apiece. One of them has a bonus question or bonus point tied into it so they can get two points. And then on top of that, they have a hint that they can use. But if they get all the questions right without using it because they're that good, they can cash that in for a seventh point. As always, this segment is brought to you by AnimeGravy.com, where you can buy a bunch of sweet artwork, including this cool, like, Green Tauros poster. She's also got some great, just, Pokemon artwork on there as well, so I suggest you guys go check it out if you haven't already. AnimeGravy.com, a great place to pick up a lot of cool anime-style artwork. So, if you guys are ready, though, I am ready with five questions all about Pokemon for you guys. And, uh, yeah, if we're ready to go, we're going to go. Play for that T Public shirt. Let's slay some questions, blanket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, question number one. This is from the Discord server as well. If you have questions, you can drop them into the trivia channel on our Discord server. In the anime, when captured by the Squirtle Squad, what item did Ash have to go get to save Pikachu? Uh, wasn't it some medicine from a store? Right? I will make the clarification that this has an in-game counterpart by the same name, and they looked exactly the same in the anime versus in the video game. Oh, yeah. Was it a super? I think I specifically remember it in Brock's voice. Uh, We need to get a super potion. (laughs) Heal Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) Is it super potion? That's Or, yeah. Super potion is correct. That is Sweet. correct. It is a super potion that Hash has to go give because Brock said it almost in the same voice that Scrawn said. <laughs> so, like, that's the thing about being an auditory learner is you remember things by how people say them. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our next question, if you guys are ready, is going to be about Pokemon moves. And this next one is, it turns out two Pokemon can learn Water Shuriken. One of them's Greninja. What is the other? Uh... Frogadier. <laughs> uh, let's see. Water Shuriken. The other would be. Oh, oh man. Oh. Oh. Smirgle. Uh, um. By level up. It, I'm gonna say by level up, just to make that uh, clarification. You didn't say that before, Thatch. I want my free point. I'm saying it now. <laughs> I remember because I remember it being like really. Oh, Excelgor. Excelgore, because yep, yep. <laughs> because I remember it being so cool that uh, that the two like super like ninjas Ninja. were able to do that. I thought that was yep, awesome. I'm cool with that. Let's go with Excelgore. Excelgore is correct. Excelgore is also capable of learning Water Shuriken, unlike any other Pokemon, just Greninja and Excelgore, because it is a ninja. Fun fact. A ninja snail. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this next one is about the pineapple berry. 
So it turns out that the pineapple berry in Pokemon Go, as we all know, will double the candy of the Pokemon you catch. So what was the pineapple berry's original effect when it was introduced in Generation 3? Okay, this one I have no idea. Uh, being cooked into brown Poke Blocks. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Because <laughs> it was a basic brown Poke Block maker. Uh, I, I don't think it was ever a stat loader. I think um, I think that was literally it. Useful for making Poke Blocks, specifically brown ones. That's do, what I'm going to go with. Do you remember the effect of the Poke Block? Because maybe that's what he's asking. No, I'm not like, asking like, about like the Poke Block. Okay. Um, is Pokeblock wrong? It, it's to cook. It's to cook Pokeblocks. That was the original okay. purpose of All right. Harry. <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. That is correct. Uh, Pineapberry oh, right. literally has no in-battle effect. It was only used <laughs> to make Pokeblocks and Poffins and whatever else have you. It does absolutely yeah. nothing in-game. It's a Pineapberry. <laughs> so that is that is three points for you guys so far and you haven't used the hint yet and as always our fourth question has your bonus point in it so this question it turns out there are three pokemon with the bug fighting type one of them's buzzable what are the other two okay um no uh oh man uh oh man let's see I i'm like this. i'm oh okay okay one heracross heracross yeah um, but that, I feel like that's the easy one. <laughs> Mega Heracross is the other. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's not, it's nothing fourth gen or before. So it's either fifth, sixth, or seventh. Uh, fifth. Fifth had a lot of bug types, but it's nothing there. Uh, sixth had, what was sixth? It had Vivalon. And... Um, oh, it was, it was, it was another Ultra Beast. Uh, the, the, the. the Feramosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Heracross and Feramosa. Yeah, sweet. That is correct on both accounts. It is Heracross and Feramosa. They are the other two bug fighting types. I had just as hard a time as you did, though, earlier today, because I did not realize, I forgot about Heracross. I just completely forgot about it. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, if we get this next one, we get all seven. You basket. get all seven. You guys can oh, go for seven here. Yeah. But as always, the fifth question is your base stat question. And today, oh boy. I want to know <laughs> what electric-type Pokemon has the highest base defense of all electric-type Pokemon. Okay. Um, uh, it could maybe be, um, I'm just throwing this out there to get us going, uh, um, Alolan uh, um, Graveler. Maybe. Or not Graveler, Alolan Golem. Uh, Golem. <clears throat> that's what jumps to mind first. Yeah, that's possible. Um, I'm going to think about some of the Megas first. That's typically a good way to go. Uh, legendary electric types are uh, Zapdos, Zekrom. There's not really too many. Raikou. Okay. And Mega electric types would be... Ooh, that Alolan Golem is a pretty good guess, though, because I think uh, Zapdos hits around 100, so it would definitely need to be above that, and I'm pretty sure Golem has a higher defense than Zapdos, uh, also than Zekrom. I'm going to need an answer. Ooh, um, let's <clears throat> just go with Alolan Golem. I'm cool with that. We'll use the basket power. Yeah, I... You're, Alolan well, Golem. I'm kind of... Is 
Correct. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. That gives you uh, seven points for today. So you guys are just cruising for that yeah. T Public T-shirt uh, with your with your name all over it. Probably not. I guess you could because our our pictures are on <laughs> due to basket are on yeah, the we T Public <laughs> website. So good on you guys. Uh, let's see though. Let me pull up my my spreadsheet. I had it open, <clears> but <throat> I have the wrong browser with it open. So we are going to go ahead and add in those those. Uh, those points for you guys that's seven points though you're doing pretty well there today um that does change up the standings quite a bit yeah um so we're gonna go ahead because all of everybody was just super close to each other so this is actually wow i this is probably the biggest change i've ever seen in all of pokey quiz history um just (laughs) just letting you guys know this is probably the biggest change i've ever seen in poke quiz history this is so now in first place we have scrawn with 17 points in second place we have basket with 12 points yeah followed up with that we have sublime in third with 10 points tied for fourth we have jushiro whimsicott and bosephus all with six points Following that up, I believe in seventh, we have Seth Vila with five points. And in eighth, we have Linian with four. Everybody else has yet to get on the board. So catch us <laughs> next time for another exciting episode of Buckles Poke Quiz. As for now, we are going to take a short break and be right back at you with the topic. Hey, Puckalonians, it's Sublime Manic. Can't get enough of your favorite flip-flopping podcast? Then check out our social media. You can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube, all from our website, PuckoPodcast.com. And you can join our Discord to hang out with your favorite hosts and other Pokolonians. Also, check us out at twitch.tv slash thepucklepodcast. And if you have an Amazon Prime account, consider subscribing to our Twitch channel. You can also check us out at YouTube at YouTube slash PucklePodcast. And we also have a Patreon if you're able to give anything at patreon.com slash PucklePodcast. And welcome to the topic. Our topic today is going to be favorite parts of Pokemon, story-wise. I, I don't know what we're actually going to title the episode yet, but I think this is a really fun topic to talk about. <laughs> and it's just, it's just really fun. I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of this idea because there's just so many things in the Pokemon story that I don't think we talk about enough that include really? lore and include just aspects of storytelling and places where Pokemon maybe could have done something differently. And they made uh, some interesting choices. So I'm going to kick things off, and then we're just going to dive right into everybody else. Yeah. But I think the best way to go about it is to just say that uh, it's just to go, and I'm going to say Sun and Moon, the final Lusamine battle in Sun and Moon. Not Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, the final Lusamine battle in Sun and Moon. Because yes, amazing. It is something completely different. I fully expected this is just backstory on me when Sun and Moon was coming out. And I probably said this on the show back in 2016. But one of my favorite things about Sun and Moon, just building up the hype, I fully expected Ultra Beast to kind of play more of like an JRPG boss in Pokemon as opposed to just being like, oh, hey, they're there. And it's kind of a missed opportunity because they didn't really do anything with Ultra Beast in the game except for that one time you you played against Nihilego when you were at the Aether Institute. Yeah. Which I thought was, or Aether Foundation, I thought that was fantastic. I wanted more of that, where you just battle Ultra Beasts, you don't know what types they are, and you have to go in there and you have to fight them and try to defeat them to calm them down. And then maybe you get the chance to capture them in the post game, kind of like we did, right? Yeah, it was it was scary. 
because right? you didn't know what they were. And you have all this backed up knowledge about what things are, and you can usually tell exactly what they are. But Nelly goes like, what is rock and poison or something like that? Yeah. So it was, I had no idea what it was. I think it would have just been so great if we would have gotten the chance to have more of those battles in Sun and Moon. But that's not what I'm talking. I want to go back to Lusamine, where Lusamine kind of gets absorbed by the Pokemon. We get this really cool story where she wants to go to Ultra Space. It's not fully explained why she wanted to go to Ultra Space. Uh, There are some theories. I think one of the most prominent theories is that her husband was taken to Ultra Space, so she's just trying to kit him, and then she essentially neglects her children at the same time, which is why Gladion's like, I'm a punk. And then Lily's like, (laughs) my mom's too protective of me. Uh, because she doesn't want me to get sucked up by a wormhole and disappear forever. And uh, you get those two aspects. But I really think when they get to Lusamine and she gets absorbed by Nihiligo, you get this really cool enemy. Uh, there's actually official artwork, too, of that, by the way. Like, official, like, Lusamine gets sucked up by Nihiligo artwork, which I thought was yeah. really cool. That's so awesome. And it's really cool, especially with it being Nihiligo mm-hmm. uh, doing it. Uh, the Pokemon based on making, uh, exemplifying your worst emotions to the most amplifying effect possible. I thought it was great. And I then we end up doing a Pokemon battle with her. And I think everything she has gets like some stat boost, right? Just kind of like a totem Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, they all they all are totem, I think. Yeah, they're all totem, which is really it's a really cool battle, a really cool boss fight. I think they could have done better. And the way in which I think they could have done better in that fight is they could have had us fight Lusamine herself, kind of like I, I want to go back to something that nobody remembers, but Pokestar Studios in Black and White Two, where you would just kind of go through these scenarios and you would play things that aren't Pokemon, like you'd fight a, you'd use your real Lu against like a spaceship or something like that and Hmm. i was kind of hoping they would bring those aspects into pokemon because i think those are some of the interactions that we don't get enough into pokemon and something that those are things that can help with world building in my opinion as well it's like uh i when i was running a ptu game uh this is actually up on the youtube actually i think Uh, i was running a ptu game um very briefly with a few people uh Pokemon Tabletop United, for those of you at home. So this is a custom story that was written. And one of the encounters I had them do, one of the early encounters I had them do, which helped build up the uh, the world building in that scenario, was I had them use their Pokemon to essentially try to stop trucks that were moving forward and hauling oh, yeah, items yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I remember that. And I thought that was a really cool encounter. Everybody I talked to thought it was a really cool encounter. And I was kind of hoping we could get some more stuff like that in the Pokemon games. Where it's just like, oh, I'm using my Pokemon to do everyday activities. And I think that's what HMs were supposed to really hit upon. But I think they kind of missed the mark there. And I think it was a missed opportunity to start integrating that a little bit more in Sun and Moon. Where they could have just gone, oh yeah, let's fight Nihilego cross Lusamine as a just a JRPG boss, right? And yeah. if we want to take it like to the, to the extreme, you make her just incredibly powerful. But at the same time, you make it like a reverse horde battle. Right, where you can use like five of your Pokemon at once to try to take down this giant monster. Yeah, just like beef up those defense stats. Yeah. To crazy amounts. Exactly. And then you could have just done something like really crazy JRPG wise with Pokemon. And I think that would have been a really cool grand finale to that game. Just being like, okay, my entire team is getting together and we're going to beat down the bad guy. Yeah, or at least have her sixth Pokemon be her. Yeah. 
yeah, even that would have worked. I think that would have been really interesting. Because it's like, because it's like, oh, detaches itself. And yeah. You. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because it, it's be like, cool it's like, oh, you you took out all my Pokemon, but I'm a Pokemon right now. You know, yeah. like so, I'm just gonna lash out at you. I thought it was a really cool, interesting moment, though, because it was kind of like a step into that direction, which I'm kind of hoping we get more of in the new games. I'm kind of hoping well, Gen 8 kind of lets us step further into that direction of JRPG-ness or just RPG in general for Pokemon, mm-hmm. because Pokemon's kind of gotten to the point where it's definitely not story-driven. We can all agree with that. And yeah. it's it's definitely just uh, it's a game where you kind of build your own story, your own headcanon. And I kind of want just a little bit more guidance, Pokemon. Just a little bit more, please. Just let me immerse myself in this world. On a more serious note, the Lusamine episode, I, I want to call it, is very interesting because it does something that we've never seen in Pokemon before. Mm-hmm. And Nihiliko essentially implants itself into Lusamine's brain, creating these neural connections and these damaging toxins that basically forever influence her. And this is sort of a parallel for, like, drug addiction and stuff. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but you are correct. (laughs) I'm just, like, it's pretty messed up, like, because they say in the after game, like, she could have lasting brain damage from this Nihilico. They do, and she has to go to Kanto to try to get that fixed, and they're going to go try to talk to Bill or something about it. It's 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 inferred. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, but yeah, that that's kind of one of the big moments that I wanted to talk about. But what about you guys? Do you guys have anything that you want to really dive into there? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it sort of goes into the seventh gen games with the Rotom decks. Okay, we're going to go back to whenever Rotom first became a thing. <laughs> talk about what a the segue. Magnet, the <laughs> particularly. Mm, not good person who uh, basically discovered Rotom, and he's he was known to be the the discoverer of Rotom energy, and this is actually the Team Galactic boss Karon, not Cyrus. Uh, Karon was sort of the chief science engineer, and he's the one who was pioneering all of the energy foundations that because that's what Team Galactic was. They were an energy company uh, set in that one uh, in Veilstone City. And they produced energy not just for themselves, but for the, a lot of Sinnoh. And they found revolutionary new ways to exploit energy from Pokemon. And that was what they ran their guys under. Uh, and Karan was the energy engineer for Team Galactic. And he, and if you look into the special event that came out in Platinum version, where you could put Rotom into the different appliances mm-hmm. using the secret key... You find out that Karan's secret journal there, where it details his meetings with Rotom, had originally happened. And it infers that Karan actually used to live in the old chateau. It's not guaranteed. And that because of using Rotom's power, the old chateau essentially had a fire and killed everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Which is super cool when you think about the final encounter at the end of Platinum where he's essentially trying to set fire to the Sinnoh region using Heatran. That is interesting. That is interesting. Right? Wow. That's cool. I've never it, made really that connection. Cool. Like, he basically got messed up because, like, he grew super attached to this Rotom that he'd play with, but he he scared it once, and the Rotom hid from him for weeks, and, like, 
he never could figure out why the Rotom went away. And eventually he scared the Rotom again, and instead of running away, it lashed out and it burnt down the old chat. Wow. That's what... That's what I'm basically inferring. And, like, he's had a sort of fixation on energy ever since. That's super interesting. Right? <laughs> I like yeah, that. I didn't, cool. I didn't, I've never thought about that part. Because, like, I thought about Sharon going ahead and just being like, okay, Rotom's my buddy, and I built him all of these things that he can go into. And so, in a way, Sharon's like, um, he's responsible for all of the Rotom forms, which is really cool, really interesting. Still waiting for like a steel electric Rotom. It's whatever, guys. Don't worry about it. And uh, I, I always thought about that, but I never, I never looked like that deeply into it. Right, and like you could even look into the name meaning behind it. Charon mm-hmm. is the psychopomp in uh, Ro- Greek and Roman mythology. Ah, the, the one that ferries people to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. That's even worse. So, wow, know, right? <laughs> well, no, that makes sense though. Actually, in terms of Platinum's storyline, because in Platinum's story, you are going essentially to the afterlife because you're going to Giratina, right? And we go to the Distortion World, which is a really cool segment in and of itself. In terms of Pokemon, we've never truly gotten anything like that ever again. Where you're just like, hey, let's just kind of go where all the dimensions are twisted and stuff. I, that's something I wish we could explore a little bit more. Waiting for those Diamond and Pearl remakes, guys. Just waiting for those. <laughs> I don't know if we're ever, we're ever going to get them again. I hope we do. But uh, I haven't heard hashtag Sinnoh confirmed for a while. <laughs> I haven't heard that for a while. It won't be long. <laughs> it won't be long. How how long until those kids are like 21, 22 again? I think it already happened, actually. Uh, the 10 to 12 year olds. Because that was Diamond and Pearl catch this came out in the united states uh 12 years ago boosh just blew your mind 12 years ago that's so long ago i feel so old yeah you're not wrong i feel so old because of that like 12 years ago that's when we started the podcast was for diamond and pearl okay yep yeah what uh, what about you basket what what other game moments like really struck you well so this one's like a double-edged sword because Half the time, they can be a lot of fun or world building. And Mm -hmm. the other half of the time, they just suck. Um, And that's basically uh, quests or events um, involving Pokemon. So, for instance, uh, one that's really, that I really liked a lot was the whole uh, Ampharos Lighthouse thing, where, you know, for anybody, I mean, you should have all played this game, but anybody who hasn't played Gen 2, um, basically you get to the lighthouse and you're supposed to defeat the gym leader that's there, but you can't do that unless you, uh, um, help the Ampharos. So mm. you have to go to another place and then, uh, get this medicine and you battle the gym leader there. And then you go back to give it to the Ampharos so that he can light the lighthouse. Um, and, uh, I thought that was cool because it gave me like, it made it, I was, I, I was expecting to just go there and defeat the gym leader and carry on to the next place. So I like I liked that diversion. Um, and I thought that was a really cool thing. They've done it a couple times uh, in different situations, you know, like where um, you can't get into um, like you need to get the slip scope and go through the uh, um, uh, go and like defeat the mother Marowak um, before you can go right. to I don't remember what place, but. Um, they've done that kind of stuff before and that's, um, 
that's always like kind of fun for me. But the ones that are crap are like, you know, the far fetched where it's like, Oh, Hey, can you grab my far fetched? And then you have to just, you just walk like 10 feet to the right. And the far fetched is there. And you have to like go around in this stupid little puzzle thing. They repeated no, that they because did. they used they it did. in like X and Y for the fur fru for the fur. Fr- yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. And I was just like, yeah. man, not this again. Yeah, I was I was so bummed out. That's one of the reasons why uh, there's plenty of reasons why um, X and Y has a low replay value for me. But that's one of them is it's just this stupid side quest that doesn't even matter. Like essentially the Ampharos lighthouse thing. I mean, that's just a fetch quest, but at least it diverted my expectations of what I was about to do and kind of kept things interesting. Whereas Mm. the far fetched, it was just like okay, so go over to this corner here and do this thing before you can progress. And it was just like, why are you doing this this to me? This is this is bumming me out, bro. I agree. The Ampharos one, though, like it, it, like you said, it could be done well and it could be done poorly. Like, the Ampharos is a great example of it being done well. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey, here's this Pokemon. It needs your help. Can you please help it? And yeah. it gives you that push. You get a little bit of motivation. It's not really a fetch quest per se. It's more of a, hey, you need to go to Cyanwood City. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. literally no other reason for you to go there except for the Pokemon gym. Right, yeah. And so that, yeah. there's that reason. But then on top of that, I don't know. You, you can. There's other moments where having a different a Pokemon in and out, like you'd be really part of a story is like important. I think a big example of that would be if we go back to Gen 4 and we go to Darkrai. Like, if you mm-hmm. do the Darkrai mythical mission, you get a lot of really cool Darkrai interaction in terms of it, like, taking over a kid's dream, and you're trying to help the kid, and it's because of the Pokemon, and they end up go, going to catch the Pokemon. I think that's the pinnacle of doing it right, yeah. is where you have a quest that it results in something um, something with a high value as a reward. And something like a gym badge, like, yeah, you go do the gym badge, or you go get a Z crystal even, something like that. I think those are the kind of quests that would be really cool. All right. Zakran here with another creepy segment. Can we talk about the hypno that kidnaps a little girl? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is I in Leaf Green Fire Red, and yeah. that is <laughs> that is definitely something to talk about. Yeah, right? <laughs> I do I like actually... that you can catch the hypno at the end. I wish it wasn't a hypno because by then you could have a hypno. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of a bummer. I thought that the Hypno was going to be like a boss kind of thing when Mm -hmm. I was originally playing it, so I was sorely disappointed, but I did like the idea of it, and I was super excited to do that. I actually, when I found out about that, I was like, oh, this Hypno is going to be crazy, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to train my, I don't remember what I had that I was going to take it out with, but um, I trained it up like a few levels, and at that point in the game, a few levels is a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then I went back there, and I was like, Oh, like I was already like three levels ahead of this thing. Uh, yep. that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> and then I caught it and I was like, well, does it have like any like cool moves or anything like that? And I look at, and it's just like, no, this is just a hypno. <laughs> yeah. I wish they would have done that better. Like, I, like I said, like if you just give it a special move, you give it something special in something like that. I think that would go a long way. And you could just yeah. make a much better Pokemon game. I, I don't know. I mean, we're sitting here like talking about game design, but I, I really do think that's like a better way to do it. 
you just need to either make it one like you said a giant boss battle or two make the pokemon at the end have something special about it like make it a guaranteed shiny even like look at black and white too there's just a haxorus hanging around after you complete the national decks because and it's shiny <laughs> and like we're just like that's the best thing ever <clears throat> like it takes nothing for pokemon fans to get excited like very little yeah and it could have it could have just been you know like an egg move or something like yeah. that yeah i mean yeah Absolutely. Like we got excited about the Dex Nav because in uh, X and or in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire because you get egg moves early game. Like that's the whole thing with the Poochiena at the beginning. You catch a Poochiena that new Thunderfanger, Firefang, or something like that, and yeah. that's an egg move only. That but you can get that early game. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. We get excited <laughs> about that kind of stuff. You make the Hypno have an egg move or something. Boom, we're done. Give it Ice Punch or something. Like in the wild, like you're sold. It's done. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 one of my favorite games to um, Nuzlocke is Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire because of that. Because yeah, I, can I, believe I, that. I have a chance of like getting something like bigger that doesn't count towards. Well, I mean, in my rules that I play when I'm playing that game specifically, it doesn't count towards my encounter rate because they don't actually encounter it. Oh, okay, okay. So, so then I'll just sneak around looking for something. And that I've already that I've already encountered, so I can like you know I can actually like do that, but not mm-hmm. in that uh, route or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can sneak around there and try and find like a better version of that. And sometimes I get like a really sweet move that ends up helping me out a lot, especially because you know if you lose, you know if you lose your tail, that's all you need, man. Uh, that's right all you before need before you're going to fight Brawly. <laughs> yeah, that's all you really need is just something like that to add to the game. It, yeah. Pokemon, take notes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think they're doing a pretty good job. They, no, they are. They I, are. I'm not saying yeah. they're doing badly. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Here, take notes. Make our dream Pokemon game, and <laughs> make, make Basket and Thatch very happy. And maybe the rest of your fans hate it. I don't know. I I really was kind of hoping because like I'm not a big JRPG fan, but like just going back to like just like the rewards and everything, I was kind of hoping that they would push it just a little bit in sun and moon just push me just nudge me towards more jrpg like mechanics in a format that i would actually really enjoy and then maybe i would actually enjoy more jrpgs but which was which was cool because i feel like they totally did do that yeah and now and now that they have done it it's kind of like okay you've done it it was awesome please do it again yes here's uh the minor problems we had with that because we were so stoked about those JRPG yes. elements to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think they could have just done more with the Ultra Beast and they could have done more here and there. But other than that, like it was good. It was done very well. Um, just don't give us Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon again. We told you 8 point something <laughs> million sales as opposed to 16 point some million sales. Um, we, we want a sequel. Like give us a sequel. If you're going to, if you're going to give us another game, make it a sequel. Black and white two are an anomaly. Don't count those. Those are hands down probably some of the best games in the series. You just shot yourself in the foot there. But eight million <laughs> eight million copies is still a lot of games. <laughs> hey, yeah. I just thought of one last thing I want to talk about. All right, and it's about Mega Stones. And when you go back and you look at the story of X and Y and Lysander's uh, goal of preserving the world and all of its beauty, and you see his plan for doing that, reviving the ancient canon that AZ built. That basically committed what was essentially genocide of all yes. the Pokemon and Kalos, uh to give his Pokemon immortality. But he he did succeed in doing that and giving himself immortality. 
but that's not what we're, the important part is. Uh, the Pokemon he killed, or that or that were drained of life, were turned into the Mega Stones. Mm. In a way, that's sort of like what Lysander wanted to do again, because they were preserved in that beautiful form forever, and it doesn't really outright say in the game these Mega Stones are dead Pokemon, are blood diamonds, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that blood diamonds, basically. <laughs> boost up your pokemon's power and it doesn't tell you that and that's super cool to think that mega evolution are basically like spirits of those dead pokemon coming and boosting your own pokemon's power to their its greatest potential Mm -hmm. Uh, and i like i like how pokemon includes these things within its games but it doesn't outright say it because that you know that might not be very family friendly (laughs) (laughs) right no you're right you're right they do that a lot and i i do agree with that uh i i kind of hope for more i hope for more we'll see gen 8's around the corner i'm saying we're getting the announcement by the end of the month i'm pretty excited for it i'm hoping (laughs) do do we have do we have time for one more thing in the topic Uh, i'll let you do one more if you want to say one more all right um so the last one is just blanket statement evil teams I love that they, <laughs> I love that they do that every gen. I love that there's a new group of people that are, uh, most of the time interesting and, uh, <laughs> um, that they expand <laughs> the water <laughs> <laughs> because, because it would get, it would get super stale just going back and forth, uh, um, from gym to gym doing that whole thing. Oh, absolutely. I I really like the double take they make you take in Sun and Moon as well, because we have Team Skull, and we're just like, these are obviously the bad guys, but then you have the Aether Foundation, and you're just like, okay, anybody that says they're only here for all of goodness, there's definitely something wrong here. And they they kind of fix that in in, uh, Sun and Moon. I really do like how they kind of moved away from the trope without really moving away from the trope. Uh Uh-huh. It was a nice, refreshing take on that as well. They do do a good job there, though. They really Definitely. do. Bye. Uh, but I guess I guess we can wrap it up there. So uh, that's it for the topic today, guys. We're going to kick it on over to Poke the episode to talk to you about, a, I think, a very special Pokemon who, who clings to our heart with a magnetic personality. So we will uh, <laughs> catch you on the flip-flop. You know what, guys? It's an hour and a half before the podcast has to be up. I have to make a public commercial. So, you know what? Just go to Tee Public. It's a great way to support the show. You can grab t-shirts, mugs, phone cases of anything Puckle, anything that's on the store as well. Like I said last week, we have these cool gym leader series going on. And there's also this really cool Sabrina one from Saffron City Gym with an Alakazam. It's really sweet. I would suggest buying that. But also, if you're getting really hype into the Puckle Draft League, there's plenty of logos on the side as well made by our own Aussie. So I really do suggest you guys doing that. I really appreciate your support from this. And I hope you find a cool mug or something that you might want to buy. So let us know and take a tweet at us, a picture of something you might have bought from the Puckle store. We really want to see you support the show. And we really look forward to seeing you guys. So thanks, guys. And on with the show. Catch you on the flip-flop. Poke the episode. And welcome to the Pokemon of the episode. The Pokemon of the episode this week is National Dex number 462, Magnezone, the Magnet Area Pokemon. Its Ultra Sun Dex entry says, It uses radar to monitor its territory. Intruders are quickly disposed of with a hyper beam. What? 
<laughs> right? <laughs> what? Yeah, and that's shown in the anime too. There's an episode where Magnazone and uh, Metagross are fighting over territory. Really? Because they're both incredibly territorial Pokemon. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would not expect that from a Magnazone. So Magnazone is actually in the OU tier right now, and it's actually really, really good. I am a fan of Magnazone. Me oh, too. Yeah, totally. So magnet pull ability lets mm-hmm. it counter a bunch of stuff. So we're going to take a real quick, and we're just going to cover its base stats so everybody is aware where we're at. We're at HP of 70, attack of 70, defense of 115, special attack of 130, special defense of 90, and speed of 60. Not terrible defensive stats, like minus HP. HP is pretty bad. Of course, you don't care about your attack, and then special attack at 130 is enormous in and of itself as well. Its move yeah. pool is pretty shallow. Uh, it, it gets like electric and steel type moves and then the random like light screen and that's about it and it doesn't get too much to its name so pretty much if you're running it you're running like thunderbolt volt switch flash cannon and hidden power like that's your uh, hid- that's your play yeah hidden power uh specifically ice or fire mm-hmm. yeah. yeah depending on the meta you're playing in yeah, and normally um, I like I've never had one with hidden power ice. It's always been fire, just yes. because the magnet pull is why you have him for the mm-hmm. majority of things to take out those things. So fire is usually a much uh, safer bet. <clears throat> I agree uh, with like, that. If you want to deal with some major threats like Garchomp and Landorus, you can generally have them switch into Magnazone and try to earthquake. But you can predict that switch and hidden power ice them for one hit KO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's both are really good. Absolutely. And so, yeah, Magnazone is a really interesting. I, I mean, it's awesome because, I mean, I played with it a lot this week in preparation just to talk about it and just talk about where it's good and everything. And I think Magnazone, its place in the meta right now is literally do you hate Ferrothorn and Cartana? Good. Me too. That, that, <laughs> that's the place of Magnazone. Magnazone isn't something that you're going to bring in to try to sweep with and try to get a win con with. It's kind of just there to take care of a few problems to help you get to another win condition. Mm-hmm. And this is mostly, like I said, Ferrothorn and Cartana and the occasional Scizor. These are all problems that a lot of people face. And so Magnet Pool, uh, because you will never use Sturdy and you will never use Analytic for the rest of your life. Just don't. You want to use Magnet Pool because you can trap them. You can trap these steel types in there. And like Ferrothorn can't do anything to you then. You can just click HP Fire and you'll two hit KO a Ferrothorn every single time. You you grab onto a Scizor, you will one hit KO it with a hidden power fire. And if you grab onto a Cartana, you will one hit KO it with a hidden power fire. So these are that's that's pretty much the reason to keep Magnuson around. And then essentially after that you can probably play some other tricks with it. Um, like if you have a real big issue, you could probably go into a Heatran and hold the Heatran in there and like get a Thunderbolt off to help weaken a Heatran or something like that. Though mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're willing to lose Magnazone over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that's just something um, to keep in mind. Honestly, I could see a Choice Specs analytic set just for that amazing special attack power. It could work. I don't think that is why I would ever run it. I... I, I think about it like when you're facing experienced pokemon players they're not going to bother switching out in the first place it, yeah it would honestly depend on what kind of uh on what kind of issue you would have there because yeah, i mean it depends on the calcs honestly like the the real calc is does analytic magnazone go ahead and keho 
um, analytic choice spec Magnezone. Does that go ahead and KO especially defensive Heatran with a Thunderbolt? That's the question. Yeah, that, and that's, that's like that's a, legitimately the question. That's your benchmark. Yeah, and that would be like a very high level trick. But then uh, if the next time you, because if you're actually playing, um, uh, I mean, if you're playing online and Smogon, like, or sorry, not Smogon, you know what I'm talking about. If you're playing online, then um, that would be a really cool thing because you're only versing them one time. But if you're playing on any sort of tournament level, then they know that. So you're going to have to have an actual way to use that other than it being a surprise. If that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a gimmick, right? And it's, it's a fun little set that could work, um, but I don't see it as working as well as you want it to work. But this week, we got to play with some Magnazone. I, I worked on a team uh, this week with Seth Philo, and we worked on a uh, we worked on a team that he kind of fits into pretty well because he, he meshes really well in a fantasy core with Kyrem Black and then also Tapu Fini. They kind of just... It's a fantasy core because that's your... Um, that's your fairy dragon steel type core with those three. And, uh, so we, te- we peppered in some other things. I, I like this team to an extent. There's definitely some issues and definitely some improvements that I would make. Um, so we have Magnazone, Magnazone. We are running just the Chiron black ICM Z set, which is a lot of fun. Free Z free shock knocks out almost anything. So I would definitely suggest running that. Um, we were running, uh, like I said, Tapu Fini. Uh, the defensive variant so that you could de- take some hits and you can outrun a few things. Uh, we were running that with taunt and defog and also the occasional and also nature of madness in this case, because just to kind of get the 50% hit though, I I think after playing with that a little bit more, I would probably prefer like to have scald or something. Um, maybe yeah. not even scald, but surf because of misty terrain. Uh, so Landorus is in there because if you're playing OU and you're not using Landorus, you, you're unfortunately probably not going to do that well, uh, which is just the depressing fact about OU right now. Um, we were running the defensive Lando set with Stealth Rock, Earthquake, Hidden Power Ice, literally for other Landorus, and hit U-turn. Um, then the other two, I, I feel really strongly about Kartana. Um, Kartana is a really good Pokemon and I was a fan to have Choice Scarf Kartana on that team because you can get Kartana to kind of set up and Magnezone removes a lot of the Pokemon that are problems for Kartana to handle such as Ferrothorn, Scizor, and also um, uh, a couple other Pokemon here and there. So I, I really do appreciate that Magnezone pairing with Kartana. I think it does very well because um, you can very easily get a Kartana sweep once you knock out one of Kartana's major threats play with paper you get cut mm-hmm. um, and then mcgearn is there just as an assault vest it's a nice bulky special attack or special wall um i really really do appreciate mcgearn for that however this entire team uh, this this team is going to be posted on our website we're going to be doing a weekly article now for pokemon of the episode which will have the team that we discuss on the show and the context so you can go get a free team just by going to pucklepodcast.com but you can also go ahead and just get a bunch of awesome stuff uh, over there and we're going to maybe put like a small commentary and some notes about the team um, I, I'm also going to issue a formal challenge to everybody who thinks they can build a better Magnezone team to come and beat me with a Magnezone team against this team on the next stream. You also earn Puckle points, by the way, if you come and battle me on stream once a month. You can earn like 10 points on the Puckle stream um, towards your Puckle League points. Just keep that in mind. Get up Thatch, show him the error of his <laughs> Yeah, show me the error of my ways. Bring Volcarona. Um, <laughs> Bring Volcarona. <laughs> because this team is very weak to fire types. Um, I, I I had a lot of trouble with fire types on this team, whether it be Magirna 
um, or Kartana just not being able to take it. Because the only one that could really resist a, a fire-type Pokemon was Feeny. But the problem is a lot of common fire-types in OU, um, mo- mostly if we take into account Victini and also... Um, what's the other one? Victini and Volcarona. Volcarona. You typically see them carrying like a Giga Drain or a Bolt Strike. And both of those are very scary to Feeny. So I would really like to see some kind of uh, extra defensive Mon there. Uh, maybe instead of going... Um, uh, what's it called? Lando, we could have gone maybe something like Gliscor. I, I just, it's it's just really a problem for this team. Um, but I, like I said, I think, I think the, com- the core of just Kyrem Black, Magnazone, Feeny, and then Kartana all go really well together. Um, the other two to play with would be Landorus and Magirna. I would might swap out Magirna for something else that could take fire type attacks, special fire type attacks. Um, that that's just my big thing there. Um, that's that's yeah, my big thing. I, but but Magnuso did wonderful. It was a great job cleaning up and letting other Pokemon do their jobs. Yeah, and I love um, uh, I love Volt Turn teams, and uh, Magnezone is one of the best like slow turn because mm-hmm. it's really good for yeah, that. If, if you if you yeah if you got to get a Pokemon out there and you do not want it to take any damage like or you've got or there's self rocks on your side of the field and your defogger's gone mm-hmm. that slow turn will get them out there they can take that um that hit from the stealth rock and then if they're quicker they can fire off whatever they need to so the slow yeah, turn is absolutely. awesome yeah i think it's uh it's definitely something that needs to be looked into um I mean, Volturn worked really well with Magnezone to begin with, because yeah. if you could slow turn it into one of those threats, like, let's say you have your Landorus in, in this case, and your opponent's like, well, you know what, Wall's Landorus, Ferrothorn, Landorus can't do anything to Ferrothorn, right? Yeah. Well, you U-turned the turn that they switched in Ferrothorn because you saw that coming. You could go right into Magnezone, and they're stuck, and that Ferrothorn has just lost all of its value. Yeah, and that, that's the big thing. I I wouldn't run Magnazone without there being another U-turn user on the field that likes to bait out other exactly. mons yeah. that can wallet. Like Landorus is a really good example of that, but there are some other mons that you can do that with. Like again, like Gliscor because it's just Landorus again, but with better healing. And yeah, I think. It, but I would definitely suggest trying to find a Pokemon that can help bait out like the Ferrothorn, bait out the bait out the Scizor that you could U-turn on, and mm then get Magnazone in on because it makes it much easier to remove those threats. And like I said, once you remove those threats, something like Kyrim or something like uh, Kartana can really cut through them through every team. That's, that's just something to think about. Just having uh, pivots rather than scouts on your team in general, like Magnazone's a pivot and is really nice because you get that uh, chance to switch into your opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, like stuff like Electros and stuff are really good. At Absolutely, that. and I, I really, I just, I really like this team. The Magnezone we were running this week was a Choice Scarf Magnezone. I might not have gone with Choice Scarf after using it in the way I have with this team, so that might be something that I tweak with. But uh, Choice Scarf Magnezone, two fifty two is special attack, two fifty two speed. Just going as fast as you can and running that Thunderbolt, Flash Cannon, Hidden Power, Fire, and Volt Switch because I don't honestly know what other moves uh, he would actually get that are useful. I mean, those are the, those are the ones, and those uh, are thankfully, them. 
thankfully he's able to get like with his limited move pool. Thankfully he's able to get like decent coverage mm-hmm. uh, with that move pool. But it's pretty predictable what he's going to have. Yeah, I, it, that that is the downside. But I mean, like I said, he does his job very well. <laughs> and if you yeah. are somebody who is scared of Ferrothorn, you're scared of Scizor. Um, is also a really good Celesteela, except Celesteela usage is down. I did not play against any Steel- Celesteela in like I think like the thirty or forty games I played, um, which is yeah. really sad because Magnezone is absolutely like the Celesteela killer, and yeah. <laughs> I would definitely suggest that. Um, if you want to play with something a little bit more fun, just like throwing this out there, Magneton is a little bit fun. Um, you could do you could pretty much run the same set with Magneton, it, and it would be semi successful. In OU because he gets base seventy speed as opposed to Magnetons or Magnezone's uh, base sixty, so he gets a little bit of a speed boost. So just something and to look EVL into. Light. And Evia Light coverage as well, just to think about it. Just something to think about if you're yeah, ever looking at a Pokemon. Yeah, and something I just want to throw out there: um, if you're ever nuzlocking uh, any of the Sun and Moon games, um, if you if you end up starting with an Incineroar. And you end up catching a Magnemite. Holy crap! You are pretty much set for <laughs> like uh, up until like the middle. And then if you can keep them alive to the end, then again you're just set. I mean, they together they wreck a lot of the Pokemon in. Um, uh, oh my gosh! In Sun and Moon. In Sun and Moon, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. It's, it's just fantastic. So that's Magnezone. That's Magnezone. On the level of flavor, the Giratina movie. It's freaking cool because it's controlling that horde of Magnemite. That's true. Magnetons. Yeah, that's so true. Go watch that if you want to see some cool Magnezone cinematics. <laughs> and like I said, go to PucklePodcast.com to download this team and just use it. Have fun with it. Read our thoughts on it. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and uh, this is where we're going to leave Basket and Scrawn today, unfortunately, because uh, the mailbag is not going to is going to be exempt today. We're going to go be going into an interview with Old Man Tup. Uh, the v, not the VGC player, the draft league player. So definitely stick around to listen to that here, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. We really appreciate him taking the time to interview for that. Um, mailbag will return next week, so keep sending in your emails about uh, what Pokemon you think should be getting evolutions. I saw there's a ton of them already, so I'd love to see how many of them we can get. So please send those in. And if they're not right on the show next week, we'll definitely be putting them in the Discord. So yeah, thanks. Uh, so I guess I guess for you guys. Uh, <laughs> No thatch, don't leave me. It's okay. <laughs> I guess I guess we're gonna be leaving leaving our friends uh, Scrawn and Basket, and we're gonna we're gonna kick it on over. So thanks for thanks for being here, guys. <laughs> See you later, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's always a pleasure. Have a good rest of your uh, day, Puckle Peeps. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna kick it on over to this interview. Puckle presents a special interview. And welcome to a Puckle interview. Today, we have Old Man Tup. What's hatching, Toga Peeps? <laughs> welcome to the show, Old Man Tup. So first of all, I want I just want to ask you, who are you and what do you do that people might care about? Uh, my name is Old Man Tup. I am the by far oldest Pokemon player in the world. Don't at me. And <laughs> um, I've been playing Pokemon and uploading to YouTube since about 2008 or 2009 when fourth gen really broke out and became pop. I mean, before people got paid on YouTube back when, if you broke a thousand subscribers, you were YouTube famous. 
Oh man. Back in the day. Like 2005. We're talking like 2005 YouTube. Yeah, back in the day. I remember those days and, very well. Yeah. Well, it's, I can remember the guy who gave gave me my breaks name was the Killer Nacho and we were on a forum group together that was called pojo.com. They had Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh and a bunch of stuff and we were in the Pokemon section together and he was at that time one of the most famous Pokemon YouTube personalities and we started having conversations and he liked me and gave me a shot and gave me my break and that was back in the day when old man tough was Tuperius five and woof long time ago but i've been uploading competitive pokemon battles in the smogon format since then um maybe my claim to fame since youtube became a money thing was uh being a coach in the gba i've been a coach since season four i took a broke a break in season eight um that's a uh, draft league format for people who aren't familiar with that. Um, I've been in the NPA with extremely popular personalities like A-Drive, Galactic Elliot, and a bunch of people. I've been in the PPL, uh, D2, with a bunch of the more popular European Pokemon personalities. Um, and since that's pretty much what I've done. More recently, I've been trying to get a little bit more family-oriented since I am married with two daughters, and my oldest daughter has been doing a Five Nights at Freddy, the first game. We've only got a couple episodes up. We haven't had a lot of time to do it recently, but yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So if you don't mind, I've got a few questions here that I just want to kind of fire off at you. Maybe we get a, get to know you a little bit better in the Pokemon world, and we can sure. see what's going on. So. Let's get ready then. Just quick, fast answers, as fast as you can. Hopefully you can. If not, don't worry about it. So what is your favorite type of Pokemon? Pokemon type. I uh, if I had to pick the first type that comes to my mind, I've always loved electric types since Gen 1. Uh, okay. Magnemite was one of my very first favorite Pokemon. And I've every game I've ever played all the way through, an electric type has been a staple on my team. That's good to know. Yeah, the All first right. shiny I ever bred was an Electric-type Pokemon. In Gen 3, I bred a shiny Electric, And at that time, Swampert was the king of the meta, and it had Hidden Power Grass, which was the dream come true. So, hmm. yeah, Electric-types have a special place in my heart. I can imagine. Uh, okay, so what was your first Pokemon game? I think I know the answer to this, but go ahead. Uh, Pokemon Blue. <laughs> Pokemon Blue. What is your favorite Pokemon game, main series? If I had to pick one, I would have to go with Pokemon Emerald. Hmm, that's a good choice. It, second gen, I wasn't a huge fan of second gen. That's I played first gen, second gen. After you beat Johto, this, the last half of the game just turned me off because mm-hmm. it was everything over again, and the power creep just got ridiculous at the end of that game. And it just wasn't fun for me at that point. It was too much grinding. But mm. Gen 3 come around, and I let it, I, I have an electric type on my team. So the game with the most water routes is my bread and butter because I just run through those things. Mm. And that was definitely Hoenn. And Emerald with the, the Battle Frontier is one of my most favorite things to ever be put in a Pokemon game. So it just ticked all the boxes for me. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle are on a table in front of you, and you have to choose one now. What do you pick? Charmander all day, every day. All right. And then this one's a little bit out there, but what's your favorite TM? Mm. Out of any gen, you don't. You doesn't really have to matter. I mean, if I had to pick one, can I throw two out there just because they have the same utility? Yeah, absolutely. You, Volt Turn. Volt Turn. <laughs> yeah. Makes that, sense. I mean, that's just... Since they've been introduced to the competitive meta, have just been a staple on all of my teams, and I mean, keeping the momentum going. Mm-hmm. I just I love them. All right, so next one then. What's your favorite spinoff game? Um, I think I may have answered this in an email I sent you guys, and that's you probably did going to be Pokemon Snap, all one right. of my all-time favorite games. Okay, okay, I love that. And then, what's your favorite Pokemon? We're just going to end that one there. You said Magnemite, but is that still true? Now, this is a question I've struggled with my entire life, because I've never really had a favorite, favorite Pokemon. More recently, because it changes all the time. If you follow my Twitter, it's like, whoa, old man, tough every month you say you have a new favorite Pokemon, because I do. And at the moment, it is the Trapinch Vibrava Flygon line. Ooh, why is that? Um... I, I love Trapinch. It is one of my, like, obviously one of my favorite Pokemon. I love the design. I love the thought that was put into it based off of the, like, the Trap Anch or whatever the heck it's called mm-hmm. that, that it's based off of. It gets Arena Trap. Um, and it's in one of my favorite Pokemon movies, uh, Jirachi Wishmaker. Mm-hmm. And it kind of stands up to the Big Bad Salamence, who is another one of my favorite Pokemon. And I just like the design. Yeah. All the way up, they all look super cool. They're all really different, and mm-hmm. it's one of the more unique dragon type Pokemon, and I, I just really like it. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean they're cool Pokemon. I mean I can't I can't fault you for that. So we're gonna get into some nitty gritty now that we know a little bit more about you. So you said that you played on the GBA or that you are playing in the GBA. So I just want to know: Do you have a story about how that came about? How'd you get into it? How how did they find you? How did you find them? Um, before the GBA was ever conceived of, I was friends with the creator, Steve, who is known as Magnitude or Pokemon trainer, Steve on YouTube. Now, um, we had gone to events together. That's it all goes back to what I told earlier, the, the origins of Pokemon YouTubing. He was on one of the larger forums, which I think was called like team eclipse or I can't remember what it was called, but he was one of the heads of the forum um, back in the day. I don't know if you remember this guy or not, because I don't even know if he does anything anymore. His name was King Daddy D-Mac. He was I the creator do, of yeah. Pokemon Pit. Yes. <laughs> and we are we are doing huge throwbacks in the Pokemon community here that kids probably have never even heard of. Literally everything but, you, you're saying brings me back to the year 2007. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it was... Uh, Magnitude, King Daddy D-Mac, a guy named Sarkaz Jack, uh, Moody Pones. We would get together. We did uh, a Paramus New Jersey regional event. We did the black-white release event in New York City. And, I mean, they're all from coastal areas, and I'm driving from Pittsburgh over that direction, but I always had a good time with those guys. And um, so I actual friends with the creator of Pokemon or not, yeah, Pokemon, I wish, uh, <laughs> Don't we the all? GBA. <laughs> yeah. 
And he knew I uploaded and was a smaller channel. And he just gave me a ring one day. He's like, hey, we got an opening. Do you Hmm. think you could, you know, fill the spot, meet the requirements that are needed? And I was like, sign me up, boss. Yeah. And the rest is history. That's great. Is that also how you got your entrance into the NPA as well? Because of the GBA, um, the GBA mentions that you had had before? Uh, more or less. Um, when a drive migrated from the GBA to the NPA, I'm also very good friends with him. Um, super cool guy behind the scenes. That's a lot of people get turned off by some of the things just his, uh, Oh, what do I want to say here? He's a really cool guy online, but a lot of people expect him not to be behind the scenes. And it's the complete opposite. He is better behind the scenes. He's helped me with so much stuff. Uh, recording wise to make my content better uh him and uh, galactic elliot i had known before i was in the gba or the npa and uh elliot gave me a call up and was just like hey we got a spot you ready i was like let's go mm-hmm. that's crazy and i'm glad they did because believe it or not i had my first ever winning record as a draft format coach in the npa and i actually made it to my first playoffs the first season i was there so great. Uh, by the oh, way, yeah. by the way, what's the name of the team that you go by? Just so everybody listening can be aware of who to follow. Oh, Pittsburgh Pirates. There you go. I I totally forgot to ask you that. And made sure you mentioned it. Uh, I don't want people to not know who you are or where to find you. So so we can segue from that and just because you've been playing a lot of competitive Pokemon, and I'm sure you and I can just go on a long tirade of back in Gen Four. Uh, oh yeah, reminiscing about the good old days before Team Preview which actually wasn't uh, very good. I, I think Team Preview is probably one of the best changes that's happened to competitive Pokemon. But <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, I think the opposite. You can think the opposite, but then, I mean, the only the only good thing I can see out of that is Electivire's relevant again, and that warms my soul. <laughs> well, now, here's my argument against it, and it's just based off my personal play style. When you don't know exactly what your opponent has, you have to play smarter. You have to, well, this is what you have to know the meta a lot more than what you do if you can Google search everything on Smogon as soon as you know exactly what his team is. You'd be like, oh, this is one of the top five OU teams right now. This is probably mm-hmm. exactly what he has. But if you don't know what you're going against in the team pre or without team preview, you have to play the first turn extremely smart. And you have to play the rest of the game extremely smart because, oh, well, does he have a ground type? Does he have a Volt Absorber? Does he have a Water Absorber? What is he have Gyarados on his team? Do I have to watch where I'm dropping Earthquakes? Do I have to... It just, in my opinion, makes the game a little bit more cautiously mental mm. as opposed to, okay, I know exactly what he has. Now I have to strategize based off of that where I prefer the method, I don't know what he has, but I know what's relevant in the meta right now, and I have to piece together what his team is going to be as I see the Pokemon appear. Mm, That makes sense. But also back in Gen 4, there was what, like 300 less Pokemon? Yes, that is absolutely true. So it wasn't as hard to, I mean, they've only got at that point, what, like 400-ish Pokemon to pick from? 493, yeah. 493? But I don't know. I'm an old person who doesn't like change, so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so 
let, let's take even farther steps back and let's go back to like 2005 and everything. So what made you want to get into doing something like YouTube, getting to creating content uh, like that? I had been, like I said, I was in the Pojo forums, don't mind my dog, with the Killer Nacho and watched him and a couple other guys. And it was just, at that time, YouTube was a hobby. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a career. Nobody got paid to upload to YouTube. It was just, if you had the free time, you did it, and it was fun. And I think what gave me the time to do that right then, I was in between jobs. I had been working at a steel mill, and there was a a, a huge layoff that I got affected by. Mm-hmm. And while I was looking for a new job, I had all this time. And it was like, you know, I love Pokemon. Wi-Fi battling was fa- I mean. Don't get me wrong, Wi-Fi battling was horrible at that time because kids yes. think servers are bad now. Uh, uh, and there was no timer. No timer. <laughs> no timer. I can remember a match I had with a kid. Oh, what was his name? It was AA something. And him and his brother were in the same forum as I was. And we had a match, and no joke, we sat in between turns for half an hour because he had to walk away and do something, and he didn't tell me when he did it. Oh, that's and awful. it's just like, what, what's going on? And it was during, uh, oh, at the wonderful time when Toxic Rain was a thing still. And mm-hmm. I can remember sitting, staring at his Tyranitar for half an hour waiting for him to do something. And I told, <laughs> I tried to warn you I'd rabbit hole on stuff. What was the original question? Uh, no, how'd you get into YouTube? <laughs> or oh. what made you want to do YouTube? Yeah. I mean, it's a it good story. Just, <laughs> some of the people I knew at the time were really big into it and... Like I said, at the time, a thousand subscribers was hot business. Mm -hmm. So it was just one of those things. I just slowly started, built myself up. I had all the equipment that I needed that I'd be able to do it. And at that time, they didn't make professional equipment. So you could get everything you needed to be a YouTuber for like 50 bucks. Yeah, You get a, a mediocre camera, a mediocre microphone, which almost all computers came with at the time. Mm -hmm. And you were good to go. As long as you could record. And at that time, um, capture cards weren't as huge or popular a thing in the community. So everybody pointed a video camera at their uh, DS and just recorded off the screen. Mm -hmm. And it was, I don't want to say it was super simple, but it was so low tech compared to what we do nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was just one of those things. I liked it. And... Even though I'm not in real life, when I get behind a camera, I can become a personality and people like watching me. So it was just, I enjoyed it and it took off and I don't, I never became super famous or made a lot of money off it, but it was something I enjoyed doing. So yeah, it was worth putting the time into. Welcome to the Puckle Philosophy, man. That's where we're at. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is just a hobby. We don't do it for, we don't do it for the, the fame, the glory or anything. So uh, so you were talking a little bit about how you and your daughter were doing uh, Let's Plays. Are there any other projects in in the works? Anything else you're working on? Uh, we're, we're looking at getting a new project that we can do together because my oldest daughter is soon to be 13 and my youngest daughter is soon to be 8. Mm-hmm. And my oldest daughter is pretty much carbon copy of me <laughs> as far as uh, geekdom things go. She, I mean, not that I like Sailor Moon, but she's real big into Sailor Moon right now. She likes Five Nights at Freddy's. All the things that the parents don't 
enjoy but are nerdy enough that mm-hmm. I can appreciate. Just reminds me of when I was a kid. But my youngest daughter is a little bit more like princessy. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I'm trying to find something that all of us can do together. Um, but yeah, a few things in the works. Like I said, we're still doing a Five Nights at Freddy's playthrough because my oldest daughter's really into that. It's just finding the time between work and school activities to get it all worked in. I can understand that. Yeah, time is such a valuable resource when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So I is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? If not, um, you could just let everybody know where to find you, I guess. Uh, not much. All right. I uh, just want to give a huge thank you for the interview. I've been a fan since I've heard the show. No, we appreciate it. You guys do an awesome job. (laughs) We've been following you for quite a while, so... (laughs) Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, it's a mutual appreciation from creator to creator. Awesome. That's great. But as far as where to find me, pretty much at Old Man Tup on everything. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. I don't stream a ton, and mostly what I do is Overwatch. So, if you're not into that, don't even worry about going there, because I don't even know the last time I streamed anything Pokemon. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah new season of the gba is going to be firing up soon so if you Ooh. like league format you can check me out on youtube uh weekly uploads will resume on that after the league starts i'm pretty sure the draft is coming up either the weekend of the 27th or the weekend of in january or after so okay it league shouldn't be starting too terribly long after that awesome well you guys heard it here you can follow old man tup everywhere that old man tup is sold and <laughs> so thank you for just being on the show thank you for doing this interview we really appreciate it and like i said from one creator to another we appreciate you and keep on keeping on man hey sam to you like i said it was an honor to be here and i appreciate the opportunity and thank you guys for listening to the show today we really appreciate it if you want more of these interviews please keep listening let us know send an email to pucklepodcast at gmail.com of course, the mailbag segment will be back next week, so you can send your emails into pucklepodcast.gmail.com, letting us know what Pokemon you think should be getting evolutions. You can also jump into the topic today and let us know some of your favorite story points as well. Feel free to do so. We really appreciate it. And of course, if you want to follow Puckle on social media, you can of course follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. All of those can be found on our website, pucklepodcast.com, as well as today's team from the poke of the episode. So feel free to jump in there to be able to grab it. Of course, if you want more Puckly goodness throughout the week, we post every Thursday on our Puckle Plus feed. Be sure to go check it out. TCG Cast will be out, and Battlecast just came out the week prior, so feel free to check those out. We really appreciate all the support. Speaking of which, if you want to help the show monetarily, you can do so in a couple different ways. One, you can support us at twitch.tv slash thepucklepodcast, where Jushiro, myself, and Orange Avengers stream various Pokemon content. Over there, if you have a Twitch Prime membership or just an Amazon Prime membership, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out. Of course, you can also go ahead and go to our Tee Public store and find plenty of cool products over there. We really appreciate that. And also, finally, you can always check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash pucklepodcast, where you can do where you can donate to the show and also get some cool rewards, including the free live show that's coming out this week. You could be on that if you're if you're a patron. So feel free to jump into that. We really appreciate it, and we hope to catch you guys on the flip-flop. And I guess here in the Lavender Town Radio Tower, I'm Trainer Thatch, and we're missing Scrawn and Basket, but it's closing time.
And as always, we here at Puckle would like to thank our patrons for making our show possible. So thank you to Greg, Viger, Duly Noted, Ten Little Men, Andrea, The Fluffiest Musicot, Dr. Shamu, Snag, Dexio, Christian, Jushiro, Rotted Mushroom, Bosephus, Alvarin, Seth Vilo, Minor Minetric, Claude Nine, R Sigma, Doc McStuffles, Nathan, The Golden Klefki, The British Gent, Trevor, TJ, Doc Knox, Echo, Shambles, Birdkeeper Cobra, Jeremy, Louise, Wade, Kevin, Justin, Tank, Jonathan, Greg, Bodtack, Alec, Mikey, Ozzy, Jedi DJ, Sparky, Nick, Dylan, Shira, Ironcaster, Orange Avenger, Michael, Thomas, Zero, Curtis, Anime Gravy, Hazelnut, Joseph, Treby, and The Real EV. Thank you, you guys. And of course, like I said, there's a Patreon live show this Friday uh, at, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern. We are still looking for one spot, so if you want to jump on and be on the show, we would really appreciate it. I hope to see you guys there, and I can't wait to just talk some Pokemon with you guys. We will catch you on the flip-flop. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.